Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. I'm your host for today, Whit Lopez, and I am extremely excited and honored to be sitting here with a very, very talented painter and visual artist, Suzanne Duplantis. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thank you so much, Whit. <laughs> very excited to have you here. So I recently saw on Facebook that you posted a painting that you made recently of mm -hmm. koi, mm -hmm. of fish. It's so beautiful. I'm assuming that it's oil. It is oil. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. Thank so you. what what led you to painting those koi? Oh gosh, to painting those koi. That was actually the product of a workshop that I did with a very famous and wonderful painting, painter named uh, Derek Penix. Uh, he's quite famous for his koi, koi paintings, and I, uh, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to study with him. So it was an intensive four-day workshop, and one, one of those days was dedicated to uh, koi. So it was, it was really uh, a process. I, I left with half, you know, the painting half done, and then took it home and was really able to turn it into something that I was happy with. So that's what led me. And also... You know, who doesn't like to look at koi? They're just magical and mesmerizing. They really are. They I are. love, whenever I see a koi pond, I get very excited. I know, I know. The <laughs> They're so beautiful and very calming. And, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's awesome. So I've also seen still lifes that you've mm -hmm. painted of flowers, fruit. Mm -hmm. um, I think I saw a landscape recently as well. Yep. I do all of that. That's amazing. So what, what led you to painting still life and landscape and just painting in general? Well, um, how far do you want me to go back with this story? So go as, <laughs> okay. as far as you need to. Okay, so when I picked up art again, um, which is about 10 years ago, I had painted a lot and drew a lot as a young person, put it away, became a singer. Uh, and then about 10 years ago, it's it's an interesting story, but we can we don't have to talk about that now. I started painting again. Um, first, I started drawing in charcoal, and then did, uh, did some fine art batique, and then settled on oil painting. And you know, in the beginning, it, you're really just learning to handle the materials, and you're you're you have this idea of some kind of poetry that you want to put on on the canvas, or in my case, on the board. I've settled on painting mostly on board. Mm. Um, and you have to paint a lot of really bad paintings and, and then, you know, show up the next day to paint another bad one until you start, <laughs> but you know, you sort of know what you want to say and how, where you want to get to. And I, I had this feeling that I could get there. Uh, so I um, took a lot of lessons and I still take a lot of lessons uh, for one reason that carves out time in my week. Uh, and I've been influenced and taught by many wonderful painters in the Philadelphia area. And I've settled on representational art. Um, I think the world around us is so incredibly beautiful. Um, I, I'm an admirer of abstract, uh, but I haven't gotten there myself yet. Um, I have some ideas that, that would borrow from realism, but stretch it a little bit. I might get there, but at this point, I'm still so um, absorbed in uh, capturing um, in with paint what what I'm seeing and and capturing it in a way that helps 
uh, it, to make other people feel like it makes me feel when I look at something. So a still mm. life, you know, is, can be pretty, you know, maybe boring for a lot of people. It's not boring for me. Uh, even just a single piece of fruit is, um, you know, and, and if I show it at such a, in such a light and at such an angle, um, it just feels very, uh, I don't know, just this, this stuff of life. And, and uh, so in those paintings, those still life paintings, I, um, they're painted with a lot of love and a lot of, um, I don't know, reverence for the subject. Mm. So, and they don't always succeed, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, landscape, uh, I've started to, well, I have for a few years now, I've been going outdoors and uh, taking plein air classes, and that is an unbelievable feeling, mm. to, to really just stand and look outside and to feel everything that you feel, um, you know, the breezes, the bugs, the, the everything. <laughs> Some people are definitely not into that. They don't like the, uh, they don't like all the, you know, the stuff that comes with it. But I get out there and I, I get this feeling of there's nothing I would rather be doing than this. You know, mm. I, I cannot believe I'm standing here doing this. And again, you know, most of the paintings don't succeed, but when they do, it's really, really fun. And when they do, they have some feeling of the feeling that I had when mm. I stood there and painted. So I think as I get better at it, they'll, more paintings will have that feeling. So That's amazing. That's wonderful. I, I really love like plein air as, mm -hmm. a, as a technique and everything, um, mm -hmm. and just what it is like entirely so mm -hmm. that's it's great i'm glad to hear that you're getting into that and working on those as well uh so you mentioned that you do oil but you do also have practice in other media as well yeah when i um when i was a kid i used to love to draw pencil um sketches and sketch everything i also worked in pen and ink and i also worked in watercolor and when i uh and i did that through graduate school i went to Eastman School of Music, and I actually moved from uh, New Orleans to Rochester, New York in January. It was quite something. <laughs> and I, I believe it. Yeah. And so I started doing these um, kind of fanciful drawings. I, I couldn't take any oils with me. Um, I did oil as well when I was young. And so I took watercolor because it was a, one little box of watercolors, and it was pretty movable. And uh, a lot of my drawings at that time would be sort of icy blues against mm. these, you know, really fire, fire tones, you know, and they were sort of, um, I don't know, Dali-esque mm. uh, drawings. I think I was just trying to get out this experience of this, you know, hot house flower being transplanted into the, <laughs> a very cold environment. Um, but then after a while, I, I didn't have time even for that. Mm. And uh, so, okay, so fast forward 25 years later, um, I put my kids into a batik class, a fine art batik class, oh, wow. with uh, Laura Madeline, who's a wonderful fine art batik artist. And it was just a week in the summer uh, at Woodmere, and you know, decided that they would go and do that. And then the more I read about it, I thought, well, I kind of want to do that. I would like <laughs> to do that. So I, I called Laura, who I knew um, actually from other circles, and. And I said, can I, 
you know, can I pay my way and come? I promise I'll sit in the corner. I won't talk to the teenagers. I'll, <laughs> I'll be really quiet. And uh, she said, sure. So, you know, we came in and she talked about these techniques, which were wonderful and old. And, you know, you work with these melted wax. And um, it is very fascinating, really, really fascinating. So um, after the first couple of days, I was... I was looking at the whole world in a completely different way. Mm. Everything that I saw, wow. everything that I looked at, how would I do that? How would I? Because in batik, you have the, the process is such, it's not like just um, painting oil. You, you have to plan ahead and use dyes, and, and then whenever you're satisfied with the color as it is, you have to wax it down and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I remember feeling like the scales fell from my eyes at that point. <laughs> and... Um, uh, on the third day, she walked over to me, and I had created something that was actually quite pretty. And she said, wow, where did you learn to paint? And I, I mean, felt like bursting out into tears because Aww. I didn't realize that I still could or I still had it, you know. And um, so that began this, you know, inexhaustible um, desire to continue to paint. And so... Um, so I continued in batik. I did probably about 12 pieces larger and a few small, but I was actually working quite big in batik at the time. Um, she recommended that I do some charcoal work and I did, um, uh, some charcoal and then did a lot of studio in Kaminati. Um, I did, uh, portrait and figure, uh, with a wonderful teacher named Jeff Hong Lu, uh, and that was great for seeing, just great for looking and seeing and abstract shapes and all of that kind of stuff. And then got into painting oils, and I have been doing that ever since, And I, although I did those concurrently. And uh, have benefited from lots of wonderful, wonderful teachers. Um, and whenever I decide, wow, I need to learn, I need to stretch in this way, I find a teacher that I think can help me learn what I want to learn. Mm. Um, and I go spend time with that teacher and do workshops. And as I said, it carves out time in, in a very busy life uh, <laughs> where I'm doing lots of other things to make sure that I have time to paint. So I'm, I, I think of my life like a great big vessel and I'm, you know, in the water and I'm just slowly turning this vessel, you know, <laughs> toward the things that I, that I want to do, you know, as much or, or more than what I'm doing. That's wonderful. That's, I think that's really great. So the way you mentioned painting is as if it's, uh, I guess, a reprieve from everything that you experience in your very busy life. So do you kind of view it for yourself as a space for self-care, self-reflection, um, self-investment? All of that. All of that. I think that... Um, you know, we haven't talked about my other life, which is, <laughs> as a singer, it's a very public... Um, public art, you know, yes. and that you, and it's performance art. So painting is, um, painting does absolutely feel like self-care. It's, it's meditative, it's, uh, it's quiet, it's hyper-focusing on something, so it's a, it's a, it's just a kind of meditation, and it's, I'm happier, I'm happier than I've ever been mm. now that I'm painting. I'm wow. less stressed than I've ever been. Um, when I'm painting, I feel whole. 
Wow. I feel whole. And I feel like I, and it doesn't even have to be good, you know, because as I said, it's sometimes not good. But just, <laughs> you know, the process itself, the the materials, the um, the being able to look at something that I like to look at and focusing on that and looking for really small detail and how much, uh, and color and subtlety. Uh, it's a way of taking in the world um, with a lot of infinite care and mm. notice. So that's really wonderful. That's beautiful. <laughs> and since you mentioned music, yeah. <laughs> uh, so just um, for full disclosure purposes, I met Suzanne while I was an undergrad because she was my voice coach. So, um, yeah, she, I hope she really knows about your voice here. They, they do not. <laughs> it's terrible. Don't listen. Oh, no. It's a fabulous, fabulous, beautiful voice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now, Suzanne is a really amazing singer, really amazing performer, and an even more amazing teacher. So, um, can we talk about your, sure. your music practice? Sure. So, you're a performer yourself. Yeah. Right? A mezzo soprano. Mm. Uh, what got you into that? Uh, both of my parents uh, were, you know, were music lovers. Um, not, not professional in any way, shape, or form. My dad did not even read music, but he had a fabulous tenor voice. Mm. Um, he loved opera. He used to play it constantly, much to the chagrin of all the kids. And the, <laughs> when the Saturday broadcast used to go over the doors, would slam boom, 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 <laughs> down the hall. But he loved it. And uh, my mom also sang an opera chorus. Uh, he did not read music and would learn everything by rote. Amazing. Yeah. It, he had a great voice. And... So he would get us to be in, um, in the operas. We would be supernumeraries in the operas. <laughs> and so it was discovered, I guess, at some point that I could sing. Um, and I sang, you know, all the way coming up through grammar school and high school. And then I got a scholarship to study voice at Loyola University and met my mentor, Philip Fronmeyer, um, who was just... Um, so important to me, um, opening a world of song and um, opera too, but mostly mostly song and just this whole world of music to me. So I I did sing opera. I was then went to uh, Eastman School of Music and then Academy of Vocal Arts here in Philadelphia, where I have decided to stay and make my life. Met my wonderful husband Kevin McDowell uh, and. Even though I sang opera, I did. I sang professionally for about ten years. Um, that that lifestyle is difficult, and and my my preferred form of music is song. It's mm. um, it's I prefer this um, this sort of heart to heart communication of a small room and a um, this beautiful small art form of, of song. Mm. So uh, I do too. I yeah, do too. <laughs> it's awesome. So that's where I settled, and uh, I, uh, with uh, some colleagues, founded Lyric Fest, and we do thematic voice recitals. And I, um, curating wonderful programs about um, about anything that's any theme that that comes. Uh, there's a lot of creativity in that. Um, and sometimes I sing for those. I definitely 
curate the shows. Um, I also do, I've been doing graphic design for those programs for just oh, great. ever since the beginning. So I was kind of keeping my toe in the, in the art <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just to sneak back over to visual art sure. a little bit for a second, do you have any exhibitions coming up soon or any, are you planning any? I'm going to be, um, I was invited to Waverly Heights, which is actually a retirement community in, on the main line, and they have, um, they do shows, uh, and they invited me to show, so I'll be doing that, I think, uh, March 22nd, I think the show opens, it'll be up oh, for nice. about, it'll be up for about a month, yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, very good, and I just finished a, um, uh, sort of an Art of the Flower show uh, with Lyric Fest that we mm. did, and we sang... Um, we call it Tutti Fior, which is all the flowers. It's named for a, a duet from uh, uh, Madame Butterfly. But so we did. We showed. I uh, showed about twenty of my uh, floral pieces. Oh, that's so yeah. nice! And then we sang. We had. There were two other beautiful, beautiful singers, and we did a short program of um, flower songs. So, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. That's really that's really beautiful. Wow, that's nice. Um, so to get back toward vocal music, so you said you have Lyric Fest, yes, which is your organization with your colleagues. Um, what made you decide to really start Lyric Fest? Um, well, this goes back uh, to my work with my colleague and, and best friend Laura Ward. We met at the Music Academy of the West, gosh, 30 years ago um, when we were both students. And she is a fabulous pianist. And way back when, when we were singing there, uh, we had this dream that we would have a, a music festival, that we would have an art song festival. So it goes nice. all the way back to there, yeah. Only it was going to be on a vineyard <laughs> in Southern Amazing. California. And we were going to call it Elysian Fields. Which is um, that's nice. Oh yeah. So Elysian Fields is a very famous street in New Orleans, which is where I'm from. Mm. Um, and you know, this is—I mean, it literally was a dream of all of that time. So Laura was living in various different cities, and it so happened that she came and lived uh, in Philadelphia. Got hired by Academy of Vocal Arts, and her husband was able to op open uh, and law offices here, and so everything—you know—the stars aligned, and she was. Um, she was at First Prez on uh, Walnut Street at the time, and they acquired, she helped them to acquire a gorgeous piano. And that church wanted to, um, wanted to bring more people in the doors, wanted to have, um, wanted to have more music in their space. And so this piano was an impetus to make that happen for that congregation. And so they, um, they were open to having us start our festival and in those early years we were in that beautiful space with this mm. incredible piano. Um, as time went on we decided we wanted to be at the Academy of Vocal Arts in, in a space that was actually made for music. Mm. So we transferred over um, but still have many many friends from that um, that community. Uh, and so we it's just kind of it's evolved along. Uh, we are now in our seventeenth season, which is incredible. Wow, we commission. Um, we've commissioned, gosh, um, forty song cycles. We have, you know, hundreds of songs that came into being um, through our our commissioning and our wonderful donor base, who helps us to make that happen. 
Um, and it's exciting to know that we are commissioning the music that's going to represent this time and place. So that's, that's pretty amazing. exciting work. Really, really exciting work. Um, our composers are uh, both local and national. Uh, so it's, it's going really well. That's amazing. Yeah. That is wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Congratulations. 17 Seasons is amazing. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful Yeah, work. and we do, we do these new works right alongside um, the classics, you know, right alongside Mozart and Schubert and Fauré and Poulenc and, you know, all of that. So everything is, is a mashup, you know, if, it's, if it depicts and talks about the, the story that we want to tell. Mm. The song helps us to tell that story. Um, we use many singers in each concert. Uh, we often use actors. We've, we've had dancers. We've, uh, so it's, it's an immersive experience. Absolutely. And a personal, a very personal um, experience. So. Absolutely. Now, I, I had the pleasure of attending two of your events, um, one that was at AVA, the Academy of Vocal Arts, and yes. one that was at... Um, Philosophical Society? Is that what it's called? Ethical Society. Ethical. You were there. Yeah, you were close. There is a Philosophical close, Society. Close, but not close enough, right? Yeah. They were in the Yeah. And they were both really, really beautiful experiences. Really amazing. Um, so enjoyable. I And the music, both times, was so soothing. It was really soothing to be in that space and just be, to feel surrounded by the sound. Thank you. So that was, that was a really great experience. part of what we want to create for people. You definitely are. Yeah. Definitely you know, it's a, um, life is hectic. Life is hectic. It's, it's nice to, um, to just be still. Be still and listen and uh, be given this gift of a song, a space to, uh, to quiet down. Absolutely. Just, yeah. That really is a gift. So thank you. It's oh, wonderful. Um, so you're an amazing teacher as well. Oh, you're you're you. a very super voice coach. Um, I, from personally working with you, I got to I got to witness my voice change and mature under your tutelage. And thank so I, I'm really grateful for the work that you do in thank vocal you, arts and music. Um, well, you were a pleasure. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Lies. No. no. <laughs> But um, no, I'm, I really am like super grateful for everything that you taught me about my voice and about the, the work behind singing and about the body as an instrument. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, but what got you into the idea of teaching music? What you know, pushed you into that? Well, um, I think if you have been taught well, you have things to, um, to pass on. Uh, and I have been blessed with many, many just fantastic teachers and mentors. Um, so that's one thing. And the other thing is just practical, that um, there are, there's not that many ways that a singer can make a living. Mm. And so um, one almost immediately has to think, okay, you know, I, I have this job and this job, you know, I have I, my busiest opera season, I had, I had five jobs. So you're only away, you know, three weeks or a month for each of those. Mm. And then the rest of the time, you know, what are you <laughs> going to do? So um, I was asked, I was approached to, to teach uh, by someone early on. And uh, I realized, and I, I said yes, it was through Temple Prep. 
and it was a lot of fun and it was and I and I also realized um I don't know when you teach voice to somebody you have this unique opportunity to just have a one-on-one relationship and um uh, I don't I don't remember exactly if it was like this with you Whit, but you can you know, you can talk about all kinds of things uh, that Absolutely. <laughs> that sometimes it's it's the voice and sometimes it's the music and sometimes it's the poetry and sometimes it's the life that goes along with all of that. And so when the singer stands up to sing, they, they bring all of that. Absolutely. They bring everything. And um, sometimes they need to put down some of that other stuff in order to... Um, to sing from their truest place or to, to, to show up to everything, every bit of the talent that they have, they have to shed other stuff. So a teacher, a good teacher, not only gives um, a student, start, starts to help the student discover um, you know, their voice and, and develop their voice and get rid of maybe some habits that are holding them back, but also to, to have the confidence to be all of what they are um, and to give all of what they are. I think that that's, a, um, that's something that singers and artists of all kinds struggle with. Um, you know, I remember hearing this, uh, this one, probably what would have been called today a podcast, um, <laughs> an interview with somebody. Uh, he was a famous jazz musician, and, and uh, he said his, his mentor had asked him, well, how did you do it, this, this particular job? And this, this person was already famous, you know. And he said, he said, uh, he said, I, he said, I think I did well, but I, I didn't like how I sounded. <laughs> and his, his mentor said, you know, nobody remembers how you sounded. They remember how you made them feel. Mm. And that is a very uh, important thing to help people, to help young people understand that, that they're not, you know, the end result is not a given sound or uh, anything like that. It's, it's can you get to that human place where you say very honestly from yourself self to another human being something that you want to share. Mm-hmm. And when you share at that level, people do not remember how you sounded. That's not, that's not the thing. Um, so that's very exciting, and it's it's um, you know hard, but but thrilling to try to get a student to to embrace that and have glimmers of what that feels like. You know, interestingly, that's a performance art. Interesting in painting, I, I would say, and this seems to relate to me. I don't know if it's going to relate to anybody else, but. In singing, there is a little bit of, especially in the classical world, a little bit of let me um, let me try to get my voice to sound like this person, or to sound, mm. you know, to sound at this. Let me get it to sound like a classical voice. Yeah. You know, let me get my legato to be, you know, a perfectly beautiful legato, and my aval to be just just right, and <laughs> you know, get into the top just so, and get into the bottom just so, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and there seems to be um, just like a standard of what a good operatic or classical sound is. I, I loved going over into the art world and having these classes and going in, you know, with these teachers with a bunch of really fabulous painters all doing something very, very different. Absolutely. I mean, their, their mark making is completely different, completely unique. You know, in the beginning, I didn't like the marks that I was making. I didn't, I, I, I didn't like it. 
But I look back at some of those paintings and I think, gosh, already they were already looking like me. They weren't successful mm. yet. But um, I loved that there was room for all kinds of expression in a way that seemed larger and more expansive than, than the classical world that I was in. So mm. I, really, I really do enjoy that. Um, and I feel less hemmed in, in a way, as a painter. Um, maybe as I do it more, that'll change. But for right now, I feel really less hemmed in. That's wonderful. Yeah. Have you ever considered teaching your own workshops in painting? Um, I come from a family of teachers. My <laughs> grandmother was a teacher. My mother was a teacher. My sister's a teacher. So I, I come by teaching naturally. And I can, you know, I want to be clear that I don't, consider myself to be, you know, any kind of master in any way, shape, or form. But what I do know how to do, I can teach. Mm. So, um, and I appreciate those teachers. I, and I've had many good teachers who are very different, you know, in painting. Some are really specific about how you should do things. It has to be like this. It has to be like that. And so I have decided when I take lessons with them, I will do what they say. <laughs> because I'm there to learn what they do. Mm. Um, but I've also been with other teachers where they acknowledge that there are many different ways to do something. Um, and so I think each individual artist has to just figure out a couple of things. They have to figure out um, what they like and what they want to say, you know, and how they want to say it. And um, how they want to get to their end product, because there's many, many, many different ways to get there. Um, and I'm just now getting to the point where I'm experimenting with certain things, and I, you know, some of, some of the people that I'm working with don't want me to actually get there the way that I'm getting there, and sometimes, mm. and 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 that's okay. Sometimes I just do it at home and bring the painting in and I, ah, it's really good, <laughs> you know? It's like, well, I started with burnt upper, you know? <laughs> you know? But, you know, not really. I mean, I'm being facetious. They're, they're all awesome teachers and, um, and I have something to learn from all of them and, and it gets me painting, you know, 10 or 12 hours a week, so. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really wonderful. Well, Susanna, that is the end of our half hour, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you for bringing your talent. Thank you for being willing to share all these wonderful things and your journeys toward visual art and toward music. So thank you. And thank you for sharing your art and your music with the world. It's oh, appreciated. It. It's been a pleasure <laughs> to sit and talk with you. <laughs> well, I look forward to your visual show at Waverly Heights. Thanks. And I look forward to more Lyric Fest performances. Good. Uh, Wherever they may fall. Yeah, we have one coming up. It's called oh, the, the Enchanted Flute. And Amazing. Are, yeah, it's going to be flute songs, all in English, very uh, sweet, fun, funny songs. So myself and Maeve Hagland, Hoagland and Laura Ward. So that'll be coming up in early March. That's really exciting. I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking out for it. Thank you so much. And thank you again for being on Art Blog Radio today. I had a great time speaking with you. You're so, so welcome. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Oh, no problem. For those of you who are out there listening, you can listen to this on Art Blog, on Spotify, or on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much to the folks at CultureWorks for letting us use their conference room to record this. Y'all have a great day. Bye now. <laughs>